All right, it's good to see everybody this Memorial Day weekend. We are very proud of our military and what they have served our country. And uh, it feels great to be in America. And uh, we are thankful for you. Let's give them all a hand, all of our veterans. We have several. Amen. We have many uh, veterans, and uh, one of my favorite is uh, Commander Vaccaro. Uh, Rich was, uh, I mean, I, I think it's close to the James Bond title. Now, he gets embarrassed, but it's like the commander of the uh, Pacific Fleet of Mad Dogs in America, whatever it is, but they, they, he was a commander over several military bases, and he invited me to come, and I was kind of like, I don't know why I'm who I am, but I'm with him. He's my friend. So uh, it was nice to be a part of that. They had the jets pulled up on the base for his uh, um, his retirement. It just was amazing. I, I'm so glad that we're in America, aren't you? Amen. Well, and, and let me tell you that our God has blessed us, and we're in a series of the goodness of God. And as we've talked about, as you come to know Christ, that you first need to, to understand, to have a revelation of how good God is. And then that's the first step. And then the second step is to realize your identity in God, not with what somebody else says, uh, but what God says about you. And, and I've said it many times. Uh, God doesn't love you because you're special, but you're special because God loves you. And so then when you get the revelation of who you are in Christ, then the next step is the authority of the believer. And, and as we're going through these steps on Sunday morning, we're in just the, let me tell you, I could just hover right here, the goodness of God, because, you know, to realize how good God is, and, and that God is love, that he doesn't just have love, but he is love, and in love there is no fear. Now, now, if you're in church, you've heard that before, and it kind of you know, goes in one ear, possibly, I don't want to just speak into your life, but goes in one ear and out the other, and you go, yeah, yeah, no fear. But if you think about it, every day of our life, that we have um, things that come into our lives that question us. Do, do I do this? Do I do that? Do it? And then we always have, what if this happens on the negative? That's fear. But when you get a revelation of how good God is, and there is no fear that that's the authority that God has given us. Now, as we're going through the series, this was a great week to have some friends come, and, and they're missionaries to Moldova. Now, a lot of people get called to parts of the world, but John and Adriana and their family, they're from this part of the world. And God has blessed us to be able to support them, to be able to go back to Medova as they've been here for a while. They, uh, they have been close friends to ours. And uh, let me tell you, their daughter that is sitting here with them, Beatrice, she was 10 years old. And I don't know if you've ever been young and then you met people and then later they go, wow. And you go, oh, God, I hope that they think I'm looking good. And not just, oh, that wow is what happened. But she has grown up into a wonderful, beautiful young lady, now 16 years old. And so 
she has grown and, and I've grown older. I'm not a grandpa yet, but, but it's on the way. And, and so 10 years we've known, pretty much more than that, uh, but John and Adriana and, and Gwen and Adriana get together about every chance they get. When we're, you're going to Denton? Yeah, I'm going to meet Adriana. And so they have lunch or they sit and have coffee together and, and they're just good friends. And I told John today to come and just tell us about the goodness of God and what God is doing through their lives in Madova. And uh, I told him instead of me going, and they're doing this, and they're doing that, and they're doing this, you know, I, I want to do that. But then they get up and they go, well, he told you what we're doing. So, so I told him, just come and share with us all the things that you have planned for this trip. So let's give him a hand as he comes. Thank you. Thank you so much. Wow, it's so good to be among friends, and we are so blessed to be here this morning. We uh, know known Pastor John and Gwen for a long time, and uh, we appreciate their friendship, and they've been a blessing to us and to our kids, to our family. So thank you. Uh, this morning, uh, we have, uh, we're going to share with you a lot of stories. I hope you're okay with stories. We're going to also share with you a little bit what we do in Moldova. So uh, the first uh, first thing is this is our family, and we uh, in this picture we miss one of our children. Uh, our we adopted a daughter uh, in Moldova and uh, from an or orphanage. She's much older than our kids. She's got her own family now, um, so she's not in the picture. But this morning Caleb is not here either because Caleb started college. He just moved out. He's getting ready. He's going to stay here in the U.S. while we go back. And I say that because we've been missionaries for 16 years. And Beatrice, that's here this morning, was uh, six months old when we left. Caleb was about 10 years, uh, sorry, four years old. And they grew up going back and forth. And when I say back and forth is more going than coming back. Um, because what we do as missionaries is when we leave to the, on the field, we on the country that we feel that God has called us, we, we move there. And we, we stay there for about four years. That's pretty much our term. And then when we come back, uh, we try to stay as little as possible. It's not because we don't want to stay here, uh, but because we feel cold and we want to go back. So at times, most times, we stay about one year here. So Beatrice and Caleb have been in, in the U.S. about four times in those 16 years. And they stayed here about, about four years out of their time, out of their life. So um, anyway, they've been traveling a lot. I, I usually ask Beatrice to say something this morning. She doesn't want to. She just feels a little uh, really connected to this church. Like Pastor John was saying, she was young, and I, I want to tell you a story. She, she, she doesn't want to share. I'm going to tell you a story about here. I remember she was very young. She was about, I think she was about six years old when we came the first time here at the chapel. And uh, we had a service like we do this morning. We shared some stories. And Beatrice was young with Caleb, and they went to kids' church. And they really loved it. That you guys have an amazing kids' church. I don't know. I'm sure it's better, but 
uh, about 10 years ago, I remember we picked up Beatrice to go to lunch, and uh, we get in, in the car, and we're following Pastor John, and he was going to take us, I think it was Mexican food. And as soon as Beatrice gets in the car, she goes, uh, oh, Daddy, are we coming back next Sunday? I said, no, we're not. Oh, what? Why not? I said, well, because next Sunday I'm scheduled to be somewhere else. She's like, what? but Dad, can you drop me off at least? I said, what's going on, Beatrice? She goes, Daddy, this is what they're going to have next Sunday. And she started telling me all these great things that she's going to miss. And she's like, I would like to come back because I love this, this church. I love the, the kids' ministry. I love the pastor. I would like to come back. Now, this is a little bit about what's going on in the missionary kids' life. And the reason I put the picture up there, I wanted you to understand that when we're called, when we leave, it's not just mom and dad being called to the mission. It's a lot of times the kids that, that they don't understand what God spoke to mom and dad, but they go through it, and I, they, they have blessings. I'm not, I'm not trying to say that they're only punished, or God is blessing them through, through this journey. They're growing. They're learning. But there, there are definitely certain sacrifices. So that's a little bit about our family. Um, and before we start, I want to see how many of you uh, ha have never heard about Moldova before. Oh, very good. Oh, we got a few hands up. I, I, I usually ask it the other way. I asked how many people have heard of Moldova. And I know we've been here quite a few times. I'm assuming some of you do know. Uh, and uh, I usually get a few hands up that, that have heard about Moldova. So I just tell them really quickly it's in East Texas. And everybody gets it. <laughs> But this morning, I have a map for you guys, and uh, it's, uh, it's, it was part of uh, the Russian bloc, Soviet Union. So if you, uh, growing up, you remember a map being read all the way of there, half of Europe, most of Asia, uh, half of Asia, that was called R-U-S-S-R, uh, yeah. Well, no, not Russia. They won't say uh, Russia. It was USSR. Yes, that's what it was. Um, so, but now there are all these little countries. And uh, Moldova is one of those countries that came apart. It's very small, but very populated. We have a lot of lost people, a lot of lost people in the country. And God called my family and I to serve those people. Especially God called us to the, to the people that never heard the gospel and people that have no chance to hear the gospel. And when I say that, what I mean is there are still many, many towns in Moldova that have no evangelical church. And uh, we've done in the past, we'd go in one of these towns and we would start ministry there. Uh, most times we'd go in the spring and by the fall, we would have nationals leading the church and we would have a church in that town and we would just uh, start preparing the ministry for another town next year. And now, but a few years ago, we switched our ministry. And before, but before I get into that, I'm going to tell a little bit about what we do now and what, what we are exciting about, excited about going back to Moldova. But before I get into that, I would like to uh, invite Adriana. She's going to share with you a little bit about Moldova, but I really would like to introduce her because um, this way she gets to speak as long as she wants. Because once I start speaking, I never know where that clock is going to take me. So, 
Thank you. Well, I am very, very excited to be here this morning. Man, it feels great to be among friends. And I was sharing with Pastor this morning, we're, we're really getting ready to go back on the mission field. This is our very last itineration Sunday um, of our itineration cycle. And we've been moving last night. We've been working until midnight, just moving boxes all day long. We were exhausted. When we were kind of like midnight-ish, I was like, if I have to bend one more time to pick up something, I'm going to crash. So I said, this is it. I'm going in the shower. I'm calling it a night. But it's, it's very exhausting. It's been a very exhausting week. And I feel like God just so calmly and so preciously just preordained this Sunday for us to be here, to be with friends, not to be in a brand new church, in a different church, just a place where we could just feel great. So thank you so much. You're our friends, whether you know it or not. Here we go. We, so I'm just excited to be here because the investment that God has done in my life through Gwen is just, it's, I can't even value it. I can't put a value, a monetary value on what God has done in my life and the way that he has prepared me for ministry through Gwen. Thank you, Gwen, for being a good friend, my mentor. I love you a lot. And I'm still waiting for you to come visit me, Moldova, by the way. You send her. Yeah, you better. You better send her. You know, Pastor mentioned that you're talking about the love of God, and the love of God is great, and that's wonderful and beautiful. But there, there are people and there are moments in lives when we and people have gone through such tragedy and such traumas where that is the last thing you think about. Or on the contrary, you think that God for sure doesn't love me. And I'm going to tell you a little story about Oksana. Oksana is a dear friend of mine. She's a college student. And when she was first invited at our student center where we minister to young people, we met. She's, she's an extrovert. She's so very bubbly. She loves to talk, and I love to talk, too. And so we connected, and quickly we uh, would meet for coffee in the city. And so I started befriending her, and soon enough she started sharing with me about her life. And her life was very, very difficult. Her mom and dad left Moldova to go to Russia for work when she was just about nine years old. And her brother, who was just about a year older, they both were left with their grandmother in the village. Well, the grandmother in the village had a son who was just about four or five years older than Oksana. And so while they're living with the grandmother, this, this uncle of Oksana began to take advantage of her and um, began to really abuse her sexually and physically. And so here's this little girl whose parents are gone away to work because there's no work in the country, who's having to live through this nightmare as a child. Now she can't wait to get out of there. And when she finishes high school, she can't wait to go back to the big city, go back to the capital city to go to college. And this is where we meet Oksana. She's now in college. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to share with her the love of Jesus. And she is just, she's just a little bit standoffish. And she doesn't understand why a God so loving that I'm talking about would allow that to happen to her. And I know that many of you have heard about human trafficking, and this is something that I, I, we work with in Moldova, but it is people like Oksana whom human traffickers are looking after. 
they're the primary suspect. These are the primary people that the human traffickers go after. And so when we talk about we're saving lives, we're trying to save people from being trafficked, what we're really talking about here is sharing the love of Jesus and the hope that could only be brought in through the love of Christ. Because we all know that if we would just be far off in some countries as missionaries and all we did was care about some social issue without bringing the love of God or the hope that's found in Jesus through these hopeless situations, we wouldn't be saving anybody after all, would we? And so I want you to know this morning that as, as you support missions worldwide, as you support us in Moldova, as we, we talk about God and the love of God, as we try to reach out to those who are atheists and those who are agnostics and those who are lost, like John mentioned, I want you to remember those that have gone through traumatic experiences and who are the primary targets of human traffickers. And remember that when you... When you support missions, when you support missionaries, we truly save lives. Thank you so much for going with us to Moldova, for sending us, and we're just so appreciative. Thank you for having us here this morning. Thank you, Adriana. Well, <clears throat> you know what? When we talk about missionaries, um, we think... Uh, missions is about someone that decided to leave and it's gone. And I, I want to share with you just a verse before I get into uh, some of the stories. And I'm not going to preach. Um, I just want to share with you just briefly uh, from a few verses from one of my favorite writers. And uh, this guy <clears throat> and this guy was uh, a persecutor of the church. And some of you might know him as Paul. He didn't start as Paul. And, uh, but later, he became a, one of our missionaries, one of our greatest missionaries. And uh, we, we try to follow in his steps. And I want to read to you a verse that he writes to one of the churches. Uh, one of the churches that has, he has not been able to visit yet. He does get to visit it later. But he writes this book to a church that he's trying to motivate. Now, this book is a great book. It's the book of Romans. He writes, it's, it's called Romans because he writes it to a church in Rome. And he puts a lot of theology, a lot of great things. But by the time he gets about midway in the book, about chapter 10, he has something on his heart, and he puts a truth in here that wanna, I want to share with you. And he starts this chapter with saying that his prayer is that all Israelites would be saved. Now, he talks about salvation of the entire nation of Israel because he's writing to the Jewish. But he, he tries to do the same thing to, to, Greek, uh, to Greek. He preaches the gospel to everyone. In fact, he's trying to say that God is, his love extends not to just us. Now, I want to connect what we're going to talk about today to missions, but a little bit more to what Pastor John was talking about in the last few weeks. I've listened to some of his messages that he talked about, and I love the fact that, you know, God is love, 
we, we, it's hard for us to understand because we experience sometimes love. And he was saying that. And we find the identity in that. And once we do, then we have the authority. But I want you to understand that a lot of times when we talk about love, we talk about us. And we experience it. And we want to, uh, we want to have more of it. And we feel like, okay, I feel loved. I'm content. I'm great. I'm doing good. I'm loved now. But that doesn't stop there. Because God loves you. That's true. God loves the church. That's true. But I want you to think about the greatest message that Jesus said. That, that God so loved the world. And we, we, we a lot of times stop at us. And we can't imagine how can we share that love with somebody else that is not here today. How can you extend that? And that's what Paul in this chapter is trying to explain. And he gets to explain salvation. He said somebody that, that cries out to God and, and expresses his salvation, they will be saved if they, if they speak it. But before they speak it, they have to have it in their heart. And they can't have it in their heart unless they hear it. And they can't hear it unless somebody goes and speaks to them. And, they, and that somebody cannot speak to them unless they're being sent. So I'm trying to get to all that part where actually we could not be on the mission field unless you guys were here to send us. So all these stories and everything that we're going to talk about, and let me actually read that verse. I've been talking about it. Chapter 10, Romans chapter 10, verse 14. But how can they call on him to, be, uh, to save them unless they believe in him? And how can they believe in him if they have never heard about him? And how can they hear about him unless someone tells them? And how will anyone go and tell them without being sent? And I want to imagine this because he's trying to connect a, a visual picture that Romans had to this message. And he says, how beautiful. Well, I'm sorry. It says, that is why the scriptures say, how beautiful are the feet of messengers who bring the good news. <clears throat> now, he's talking about messengers. And then before, I just want to take a minute to tell you what he's trying to say. At least that's this is how I understand. Romans were fighting. And when, uh, when they send their armies, everybody that's supporting the army back at home, they're trying to wait for news. They're trying to wait to see, did we win this battle? Did we have a victory? And imagine everybody's waiting, and a messenger is running, and they see him running. And when he gets there, he tells them what happened on the field. Now, that's what happens here this morning. That's what Paul was trying to say. You are the supporters. You are the senders. You are actually the workers on the field. And you are actually doing a lot of work in Moldova, in fact. So uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell you a little bit what we actually, the the. The ministry that we are involved in. So um, after planting churches in Moldova, we realized that we're skipping a, a group, a very big group that, that actually is in Moldova that's going to impact the most of the country, which is the young people. Young population started from 16 up to 26, closer to 30. And these young people are so impacted by the past generations. And I'm, what I'm talking about is communism and uh, all that has brought, and especially educated, education. It has been in, uh, very impacted by Darwinism and atheism. So now we see all these people that are growing up being indoctrinated, and there's no church. There's no... Uh, and there's no parents to tell them about the Bible stories that you might have heard. So we're talking about parents 
that have been communists, there are atheists that are raising the next generation in Moldova. So if you meet on the street, a young person, if you try to share anything about Christ, they have no idea. So if I want to tell them anything about Romans, I have to start telling them who Paul was and what was he about. And I have to tell them everything I was trying to tell you the way that's how I preach in Moldova. Because they have no idea who Paul was. They have no idea who David was. They have no idea what the story of David and Goliath is. In fact, if you tell them, try to tell them anything about God, they're going to look at you. They might respect you because you're an American, but they're going to say, hey, I'm so sorry. I don't believe God exists. Don't waste your time. And imagine those people are going to lead the country of Moldova. I know we have some of those here in the U.S. too, and they have a great impact in our society. But I feel like God has put that calling on myself and Adriana, our family. And uh, when we realize that we need to impact that, uh, we, we, we start praying. We said, God, how can we attract that age group? How can we connect with them? If we go on the street, they wouldn't, they wouldn't allow us to witness to them. So how can we witness someone that does not want to hear the message? How do you do that? How did Christ do it? Have they received him when he came? I'm sure you heard the gospel from Pastor John preach to you. They did not receive him well. Yet they were impacted. Yet they, they, they understood it. So we've been praying, and what we did in Moldova is uh, we opened a center, and Adriana referred to it. We called it a student resource center. It's pretty much our ministry center. We advertise it in the universities. We allow anybody to come in, not just students, but we realized, <clears throat> excuse me, students are going to be the, the impactors. They're going to be the, the, the changers of the country tomorrow. So... What we do is we invite them to the Student Resource Center, and we have all kind of different things. The first thing that we realize that students want is food. Thank you. That's it. That's it. And we have food. We, we provide meals, and in fact, we provide one warm meal every night, once a week. Um, once a week, actually, at the night, we have worship service. And uh, among other things that we offer, we actually have a worship center at that center. We also uh, offer English club. They really want to learn English, and they don't care that we use the Bible to do it. But we do teach English through the Bible, and they get to hear the gospel. We have so many other things. We have arts. We have a movie night. We have a game night. We have, we have other things that we teach them. We teach them uh, some business. Sometimes I teach them how to, do, how to make a budget, how to manage their money, a lot of things that young people want to do. But once they come in, they connect with us, we don't tell them that we're Christian because they ask us. See, when you live a life as a, as a witness, people have to see it, and they see the difference. And then after a while, they come and say, John, there's something about you. You're so different. Please tell me, what is it? And now we feel like they're friends. So now I'm saying, well, I'm a Christian. They go, oh, really? I, I've, I, I had a very different idea. They're a very different impression about Christians. So I said, well, let me tell you. Or sometimes they'll come and say, why are you doing all this for free? And you know, the first thing that comes out of my mouth every time I say, I want to share the love of God. And they go, oh, well, first of all, I don't believe in God, but what, what is the connection between God and you and you trying to do it? So that's what they want to know. And that's what opens the door for the gospel. And <clears throat> 
So that's the, the way we do ministry. Now I want to tell the story of Dima. And we have a, I have a picture. I want you to look at that face. Now Dima, the first time we met Dima was um, uh, pretty close to the beginning, the start, when we started. And I think I might have shared his story last time when I was here. If you heard it, bear with me. It might be something different because I try to be quick. I leave a lot of details and sometimes I remember some details that I did not share last time. But Dima grew up in an atheistic home. Now, he, uh, he is not at fault, but he has never read the Bible. His idea of the Bible is very, very wrong. So when I met him, was at one of our worship uh, services. Some, we needed someone to take pictures. And one of our volunteers invited Dima to come take pictures. And he's, as he comes, before we start, I greeted Dima. And, and uh, I said, hey, he, my name is John. He said, I'm Dima. I'm here to take pictures. I said, great. Come in the back. I want to show you the camera you're going to be using. He's going to use my camera. I give him the camera. He goes, oh, yeah, I know the camera. I said, well, I want to tell you a few details what's going to happen tonight. So I said, we're going to have church, and here's what I'm going to do. And he goes, oh, don't waste your time telling me about God. I'm an atheist. I don't believe God exists. I, I got really hurt because uh, he has no idea what I do for a living. I am not wasting time to talk about God because that's my job. But. I said, okay, no problem. I said, I just wanted you to know what's going to happen so you can know where to be and how to take pictures. And uh, I, I still told him a little bit about service. And uh, we started the service. He did great. Um, once we were done with the service, he helped us. He helped us clean up. And we, we, he was almost the last guy to leave. And before he left, he turns to me and said, uh, John, when is the last meeting? And I thought God just changed his life. I'm like, yes, Jesus, he did it. And he goes, uh, I, I didn't care about what you talked. I'm not interested in religion. But what I realized is that you and your wife are trying to do everything around here. And I said, yeah. He's like, I would like to come and volunteer. I'm like, God has a great sense of humor. He sent me a, an atheist to volunteer for the church. I said, yeah, we'll take you. He's, I said, look, you got to be an hour early. You got to stay through the service. And then you cannot... Uh, I said, you, you have to stay at the end. He's like, that's good. I'm going to come. Dima never missed. He's always on time. He comes and helps us. So after a couple of weeks, I keep trying to get to meet with Dima. Now, he knows I'm a Christian, and I'm going to push him to, to religion, and he's really afraid. So he keeps dodging, trying to tell me, I'm not interested, not interested. And finally, after a couple of weeks, I convinced Dima to meet with me for, for a coffee. So I meet with Dima, and this was my argument. I mean, I talked to, to Dima, but he's, this is my argument. Dima never opened the Bible. He actually had no idea what a verse is and what a chapter is. So I said, Dima, most of the people in the world are still Christian, claim to be Christian. Now, how would you talk to someone like that? If you have to know, not necessarily to believe, but you have to know what the Bible says, at least. He's like, yeah, that's true. Now, when you say an when you say you're an atheist, you automatically proclaim they're anti-God. And you don't believe in his existence. But you have no idea what he says about himself. You got to learn. You got to know. He goes, that's a good point. I said, well, I, I'm, I'm here. I would like to help you. So let's start reading together. And we start reading the book of John. And I remember we were reading a chapter a week. And I remember about eight weeks, we've been reading every week. And every time I'd meet with him, he'd bring me all these weird arguments. And he didn't even have the real atheistic arguments because he didn't really, he was raised that way. He was indoctrinated and he never read the Bible. He had no idea what God says about himself. So, so he's, he's, he's 
thoughts were very, very, very non-based on anything. And, and we're sitting there, but I'm not contradicting him. We're going through it. And, and the week eight, I remember, and we were talking about a miracle that Jesus did in chapter eight. And then uh, I looked at him. I said, isn't it interesting the fact about God that he is planning, he's ordaining times and nothing happens in with chance. There's no chance. Everything is planned. And, and it was the first time that he looked at me and he agreed. And I said, oh, are you agreeing that God exists and there's actually a plan? He says, I don't know how to put it, John, but I want you to understand what happened with me the first time I walked in here. He says, the first time I walked and when you started that service, I felt so uncomfortable. I felt guilty. I just didn't want to be there. I didn't want to be in the service. I didn't want to hear anything. I just felt like I need to get out. And, and when it was over, I walked out and I thought, I'm done. And the whole week of being out there, I couldn't wait for the Monday night to come back because I couldn't wait to come back to the meeting. And I would come back and I feel so bad inside that I couldn't stand there. And I said, well, that was the Holy Spirit. And I just, I just realized that he has no idea what that is. But that's what our journey of discipleship started with Dima. And that was almost four years ago. Today, Dima is one of our best workers. But I'm not worried about workers because he was ready to volunteer when he was an atheist. What I'm excited about Dima, that he is a follower of Christ and he is a discipler. And that all happens because you guys, you, you send us. You have an, a ministry across the world and you share the love of Christ with people that you probably never seen, you would never touch, you would never know about until that one day when you stand before Christ. And that is the beauty of church. And that's what Paul is trying to encourage the church in Rome. That's what missions is about. It's not about sacrificing a cup of coffee a week. Because that's what I tell people. It's not about that. It's about where your heart is. Are you ready to share the love of God with people? And when you say, I am, that, that better, you know, follow everything else comes so the next story i'm going to share with you is the story of marcella now marcella represents very small percentage of moldovans see a lot of most of moldovans would claim that that, that they're atheists they will actually profess it with their mouth and a lot of them like dima have no idea what they're saying actually but people like marcella actually would say that yes i'm christian what she means is that she was raised in a traditional Orthodox home. So religion for her is heritage. So she knows about God. She heard some things about the church. She was baptized when she was about six weeks old, but she has no idea um, what, what God is. She has no idea about the love of God. In fact, she's really scared of God. And if you really talk to her, she's going to question God's existence. So I still would call her semi-atheist because she claims to be religious. She says she's Christian, but she doesn't believe in the existence of God. And I've met a lot of those people here too. I remember the first time that Mar uh, Marcella came to our house. Adriana connected with Marcella just like she connected with Oksana. So Marcella was, was uh, the other person that was Adriana's, my wife's friend. And uh, one day she invited her over dinner and she came over and I, I met Marcella. And 
we were about to serve uh, dinner, and I said, can I say a quick prayer? And she jumped up, and she looked at me, she's like, here? And I said, well, what's wrong with here? Well, here, here's what her understanding is. This is what Orthodox believe, and this is what she was telling me. She said, your house is, is, is too sinful. It's filthy. You live here. God does not come in your house. There's no God here, so you can't pray if God is not here. The only place you pray is in church because that's where God is. That church is sanctified and that's where God shows up. So imagine what, what the repercussion of that belief brings. Imagine if you go to church because God is there. And when you walk out, your life pretty much is your own because there's no God. He doesn't see you. There's no idea. So you can do whatever you want. And I, I said, well, Marcella, it's okay. I'll talk to you about that later. I said, I do pray here, and God is here, and he's going to listen to me. And, and she goes, okay, if you say so. So I said, I'm going to close my eyes. You can watch me. I'm going to say a quick prayer, very simple. And I said, at the end, I'm going to say amen. It means that, uh, that, that I, I, I ask God to do as, as I say, what I agree with what God said. It means so be it. So I said, if you want to say amen, you probably heard your priest say amen. And she goes, yeah. I said, if you agree with what I said, you can say amen. So I close my eyes and I just thank God for the food. And I ask God to be in our conversation. And that's it. I said, amen. And she goes, when I open my eyes, her eyes are bigger than mine. And, and, and she, she just kind of stunned looking at me. I said, well, is everything okay? She goes, where did you learn to pray like that? I said, well, I, I said, I just... Talk to God as my friend, as, as my maker, as, as everything. And I just felt like that's what I needed to, to thank God for. And she goes, oh, my God. My grandmother, she was trying to teach me how to pray, but she has this thick book. And, and I had to memorize um, pages of it. And she, this is what my grandma told me. If I ever, ever mess up on one world, word, God is going to punish me. So imagine when she was thinking about prayer. God forbid she missed one word, so she would rather not pray because she wouldn't want to be punished. Now imagine when we talk about the love of God. Imagine what understanding some people have about God. And when we talk about love, God is not about punishing us. I remember how excited Marcella was when finally she realized that Jesus is her friend. It, it, Jesus is, is, uh, is the person that paid for all those mistakes that she would make. That Jesus opened the door for her that she can pray whatever she is. It doesn't matter if she goes to church or not. Because I remember that night when she was over at our house, I asked her if she goes to church. And she said, John, I can't afford to go to church. I said, why not? She said, well, because if I go to church, that means I need to ask the priest to do something for me. I said, well, well that means I have a need. So if I go to church, first thing when I walk in, I have to light a candle. That candle cost me about $10. So I have to buy it from the inside. The church was $10 because if she would bring it from outside on the street, it would be $1. So $10 from inside the church because it's sanctified. So she has to light a candle, and then she has to go to the priest with a list of the needs. So a priest is going to take that list, and he's going to go one, two, three, four, five, six, seven needs that you have. It's going to cost you this much for every need. So this is how much you need to pay me, and I'm going to pray this week for your needs. And she goes, I, I can't afford to do that. Sometimes it's, it's harder to reach out to people like Marcella than people like Dima. 
Because their conception of, about God is, is very hard to break. But one excited thing that I'm so excited, and that's why I choose to talk about Marcella, because we have so many other stories in Moldova. We have a great team of workers, of disciple makers, like Dima, like Marcella, we have Rebecca, we have... Uh, we have Jiwa, we have Mihaela, we have, we have a great team of disciple makers. But Marcella is one of our best disciple makers because when she found out that actually God loves her the way she is and God would hear her wherever she is, then she started getting so excited. She's like, I got to tell all my friends that God is not the way they think. God is not there to punish them and God is not there to get them. God is there to, is waiting for them to come and love him and actually... Uh, be friends and, and accept him the way he is. He is accepting them the way they are. She's in love with Jesus. And she's ready to share the gospel. And I, I want to tell you, church, when you send missions, when you are ready to, and you understand that I, I, I went back last week and I listened to some of the messages that Pastor John preached about. I love the first one about the love of God. Because that's where you find your identity in. And that's what he was saying. But when you find your identity, then you have to realize that the rest of the world doesn't have it. And we have to go to them. And the way you go to them is in two different ways. First of all, you actually tell people around you. And then the church, I was telling you that Paul is trying to tell the church that we as a church have a have, have a job to do we as a church have to spread the love of god here in keller we're in fort worth we're we're in the dallas metroplex we're in texas we're in the united states we're we're in south america or in europe or you have to keep on going and the way you do it you have to send people you have to empower people so either either you go on a mission trip just like i heard you did in south america and you 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 started a coffee shop by the way they started a coffee shop I know. That's how you share the love of God. And that's why you should come to Moldova, because we need a coffee shop in Moldova. But that's, that's how we do mission. That's how you fulfill what Paul was trying to tell the church, that the love of God is not only for you. The love of God is not only for me. The love of God is, is, is still extended to people like Marcella, people like Dima, people that would never hear the gospel unless you decide to send someone. And the way you send someone, of course, is not just financial. You have to commit to pray for them. You have to commit to stay with them. You have to commit sometimes to go visit them. You have to commit sometimes to, to know how are they doing. I want to rejoice in their victories. You have to know that. You cannot be involved unless you celebrate. And this morning, I wanted you to celebrate with us. And I'm so excited. I'm, I'm, I'm actually really excited that you, guys, you, you, you are so happy about all the victories and knowing the story of Marcella. Now, this is the end of my presentation. The only thing I have left is, um, is I would like for you to stay connected with us. In order for you to know our victories is, is for you to actually sign up for our newsletter. That way you're going to know what God is doing in Moldova. That way you're going to find out about all the other. If you connect with other missionaries, you're sending. But we really feel like you are the church that has sent us to Moldova. All those ministries that we do in Moldova is because of your 
support because you guys are praying for us because you're investing in us because because uh pastor john and pastor gwen is investing in my family and us and adriana and because they're great supporters because you are great supporters that's what happens so if you would take out your phone it's okay i'll allow you to take out your phone uh follow us either on facebook or instagram and if you don't have either one of those you can stop at the end i have a table uh sign up for our newsletter with your email if you would like pick up a prayer card that way you'll have it handy but church we are so grateful to be here this morning and i am so honored to actually be sent by you and every time you pray for us you don't think about john is somewhere somewhere up there doing something i would like for you to know that you are part of that ministry you have sent us and everything that happens in moldova is because of you and that way we all celebrate and that way we understand that all those messages that are coming back is exactly what paul is trying to make romans understand that the messengers feet are blessed because they bring good news and and i know that means the good news of christ but but it's also some good news that comes from apart from from the field from from the battle you hear what's going on over there and you celebrate because we always have victories and it's because of you and thank you Thank you, John and Adriana. Greetings. We're going to be dismissed in just a few minutes. And I'm going to ask our ushers again as they're in the back and they're holding the plate. Um, if you have something special to give, there's an offering envelope in front of you. Unless you're on the front seat, then it's behind you. And uh, just grab one of those and fill that out. And we'll make sure it gets to the Lungas. Um, we are so blessed to hear the stories of the, the seeds that we have sowed in their ministry, and, and we're seeing a harvest of souls. Aren't you glad that somebody told you about Jesus Christ? I mean, think about that. I, I think often about my family, you know, that uh, I, I've said many times that when I was raised in church and I made the personal decision to serve Christ, but before my parents, Somebody told them, which was their parents, but somewhere down the line was a missionary that told somebody that began the heritage and the legacy of my family. And so this morning, as we've heard John and Adriana speak about Moldova, th this is the starting line. And, and if... If we are on this earth for another 100 years, we, we don't know. I, I don't see that happening. But at the same time, if we're here for very long, we realize that what we heard John and Adriana do in, in Moldova is breaking chains, or you could say it's a starting line for people that will be able to tell their children and their children and their children. And uh, so what a great opportunity to invest into the lives of the missionaries that we support. Uh, I'd like to pray, give you two announcements, and then we'll be dismissed. Father, thank you for the opportunity. God, there's always things in our life and in our path that we can spend money on, we can invest in. But Father, we know that when the opportunity arises to be generous on every occasion, that Father, that we look in our hand to what you have blessed us with.
And Father, in that, we can give back and, and continue to be generous. This is one opportunity. God, let us not miss. In your wonderful name we pray. Amen. Amen. Um, we are so proud of our uh, graduates and our great. Let's give them a hand. I don't. I tell you what, once you stand, I think there are some people that all the graduates. All right. We got Hunter. We have two, three. All right. All right. So you may be seated. Those are graduates. We're going to honor them next Sunday morning. Um, bring, bring money to honor them. You, you, you know, at that age, you could say bring a gift, but I know what they want because I was there. Money. If you want to shop all week, I guarantee you the best thing is money. Okay, so just bring, bring them a. Bring them some folding money, okay? You bring them some and say, you made it. And uh, I know it was hard, but you are to this point, and congratulations. Next Sunday morning, we're going to continue the series on the love of God. Then that evening, we're going to have a time of worship. We had planned that for tonight, but some of you were not aware that Lisa Cruz's uh, father passed away this week. We had the funeral Friday, a wonderful life that was... Uh, mentioned and Justin is here, uh, the grandson, and and we just had a wonderful time of celebrating his life. Uh, next Sunday night after, I'm sorry, after service, we don't have service on Sunday night, but next Sunday night at 6.30, we will have an evening service with a time of worship. It's only one hour long, and I'll guarantee you there will be nothing that if you choose not to come that will be as valuable as that hour of worshiping God. Why don't you stand with me? I want to tell you that, again, I love you guys so much. I'm proud of you. Continue the journey of serving God. Look for opportunities to be able to speak into the life of somebody. And what, what I mean by that is speak the love of God into somebody's life. Look for opportunities to share the love of God this week. Amen? So that means so be it. You guys are dismissed. Go. Have a great day.